Act One of A Night Off or A Page from Balzac by Augustine Dali, Franz von Chantin, et al. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Dramatis Personae Justinian Babbitt Professor of Ancient History in the Camp Town University Read by Todd Harry Damask His Son-in-Law Read by Mitch Jack Mulberry In Pursuit of Fortune under the name of Chumley Read by Adrian Stevens Lord Mulberry in pursuit of jack read by alan mapstone marcus brutus snap in pursuit of fame and fortune under various legitimate aliases read by greg giordano prowl usher at the university read by jim hedrick mrs antipa babbitt professor of conjugal management in the professor's household read by sonia Nisby, the youngest imp of the household, read by Jen Broda. Angelica Damask, the eldest, read by Matea Bracic. Susan, the brassiest, read by Michelle Eaton. Maria, servant at Damask's, read by Adrienne Prevost. Stage direction, read by T.R. Love. A Night Off, or A Page from Balzac, Act One, Scene, The Professor's Study, At Back Center, A Mantle and Fireplace, At Right Center, An Alcove, Which Can Be Closed With a Curtain, Backed by a Window, And Reached by a Step or Two, At Left Center, General Entrance to the Apartment, Doors Right and Left, Down Left, A Study Table, Full of Books, Papers, Etc., down right, a smaller table with books, etc., newspapers, and pamphlets. A sofa at center between fire and front. A lounge and table in the alcove. Bookcases against the walls. Classical busts, etc. The curtain rises to a very bustling air, and Susan is discovered wiping the dust from the furniture with a cloth, her duster under her arm. Not much of a job to dust the house when Mrs. is away. The professor wouldn't know if the dust was an inch thick on everything. Picks up a folded country newspaper. Is the morning paper not opened? Let's see what's in it. Leans against table as she opens the paper. Suddenly gives a start. Oh my, here's a start. Reads. Opera House, special announcement. The grandest combination of dramatic talent in the world. The undersigned respectfully announces the appearance of the renowned Central Park combination in a series of their brilliant performances, pronounced by press and public the ne plus ultra of dramatic representations. Gracious! Don't that sound splendid? Reads. The management guarantees that each performer in this matchless troupe is an acknowledged star, the whole forming a galaxy of histrionic constellations. Having recently concluded a brilliant engagement at the New York Central Park Casino, before the wealth and culture of the metropolis, will appear before the discriminating and intelligent public of this far-famed university centre on Monday evening, March 1st, and every evening until further notice. Each performance will be under the personal supervision of the public's most obedient servant, Marcus Brutus Snap, manager. For particulars, see programmes. No connection with any other combination on the road. Well, I know this much. While Mrs Babbitt's away, I'll go to the theatre every night, catch her letting me out if she was home. Puts paper on table left. Prowl, a severe man, enters with a load of copybooks. Professor in. Susan, put paper down. Be back presently. What have you got there? Composition books. Fourth class. Fifty-two of them. Puts them on table, crosses to right. 
and when have we got to look over them by day after tomorrow susan crosses to left table opens one of the books and reads the second punic war great jiminy the professor will shudder when he sees em say do you know these punic wars generally strike us every year about the same time just as we are pickling cucumbers it's the everlasting round that drives me mad the boy like history repeats himself i hate boys i've been usher twenty-five years and i hates em i have dreams in which i cuts em off millions of em at a blow susan who has been looking over a book did you ever hear such a dunce listen to what this chap writes the first punic war having finished in the year two hundred and forty one b c the second punic war commenced in the year two hundred and eighteen b c or just twenty-three years after now did you ever as if the year two hundred and eighteen could come after the year two hundred and forty one slams book on the pile crosses to right i wish that was the worst they did the professor enters from the street left centre in hat and overcoat both much worn he wears gold spectacles now prowl what brings you here brought the composition books points to them professor assisted by susan in removing his coat oh very well they're full of mistakes too indeed gives her his hat and coat and the umbrella what umbrella oh dear the new silk one professor i reminded you not to leave it behind you again have i really of course what day is this wednesday ancient history fifth class from two to three first class from three to four run and look for it mr prowl it may be in the faculty's room very good professor prowl exits susan calls after him dark brown the handle shakes a little and the catch is missing professor who has come down to his writing-table left no letters from my wife susan no sir none to-day none yesterday i hope nothing has happened what could have happened don't worry has anybody called yes sir gentleman to see you half an hour ago who was it i don't know him odd-looking gentleman smooth shaved face lots of rings on his hand said he'd call again in half an hour very good we'll see who it is what shall i cook for supper sir don't bother me about that cook what you please that's what you always say and when i do you won't touch anything ah uh, i have no appetite of course you haven't you study and write and work day and night you should take exercise professor try roller skating struck with idea but wait till the theatre comes you shall go every night the theatre yes didn't you read the paper here it is points to paper opera house march first damask puts his head in door left centre good morning papa there's a charming little woman in the next room shall i bring her in oh charming oh you mean your wife certainly certainly gets right Angelica pushes Damask aside and looks in. Susan exits left center. Papa, do you want this horrid creature to come in too? Come in, you big overgrown children. You show yourself seldom enough to your poor forsaken father. Damask, coming down center. I know it's wrong, but we are so snug and happy together. And Harry's away all day of course it's right it's right but you should come to see us what do you do with yourself all alone it's dull enough 
I had no idea I should miss your mamma and Nisby so much. When did you hear from them last? Professor crosses to left, handing her a letter from table left. A day before yesterday. Angelica opens letter. Pressed flowers inside. How romantic of mamma! Takes out a small bunch of pressed flowers. Nisby picked them in her walks. So nice. Reads letter. So the springs are doing Mama some good. Yes, but not me. Takes him one side. I say, my dear boy, these watering places cost a great deal of money. I've reckoned it up. I won't get off for less than four hundred and sixty dollars. But it was really indispensable for your wife's health. And for Nisby's, too. The girl is twenty, and must be shown about a little. But you know how closely I have to manage with my salary. Four hundred and sixty dollars make a big hole in my calculations. I have bridged it temporarily by drawing on Nisby's money in the savings bank, but that must be replaced, for if my wife found it out... It might be unpleasant. I wonder if I ought to risk a little in stocks. Professor, don't think of it. Other people do it. But you know nothing about stocks. That's so. But there's no money to be made with what I do know about. Angelica, folding the letter. Mamma and Nisby seem to be enjoying themselves. I don't begrudge them, but I have to live like a hermit. Angelica, rising. Poor papa. What do you do with yourself? I've tried everything. Put my library in order. Rummaged through my letters and manuscripts as far back as my college days. Stop. I've unearthed something here and really got some pleasure out of it. Takes a large roll of manuscripts from drawer. Damask crosses to center, taking it. What is it? Looks like poetry. It's worse. It's a tragedy. Written by you? Yes, at college. What student has not written a Roman tragedy? When I read it over again the other day, I enjoyed it immensely. Of course, it's crude and unfinished, but there's a snap in it. Susan enters left center with the umbrella. And fire. The fire of youth. Isn't there, Susan? Susan, clasping the umbrella to her bosom, and with a heavenward sigh. Oh, Professor! Professor crosses to Damask. You must know I read it to her. Damask and Angelica laughing. Read it to Susan? <laughs> Laugh away. I never see you. And a man must read his good things to somebody. So Susan had to suffer. Oh, Professor, I love to listen to it. Mr. Harry. Crosses to him. It's a heavenly piece, but so sad. Oh, so sad. Wipes her eyes and sobs. Now don't commence to howl again. I can't help it. If I only see the writing, I must cry. It's just like peeling onions. Exits left center. Angelica takes up a book from table right and reads. You see how I've degenerated these last four weeks, reading my useful donkeyisms to a servant. No harm in that. Moliere read his place to his housekeeper. The criticism of an unhackneyed mind. Angelica starting up. Oh, oh, this is too horrible! goes across to table left. She still carries in her hand the pressed flowers. She also takes over the book she has been reading, throws herself on seat. What is it? What's the matter? Oh, Papa, is the man who wrote this book to be believed? Professor adjusts his spectacles and looks at title of book. Balzac. Smiles. Well, I believe he's considered a judge of human nature. Angelica 
throws flowers into basket. Is he? Crosses to Damask. Then, sir, what have you got to say? Say to what? There, please read for yourself. Shows an open page. Damask, right, reads. Every bride that lives, if she could, but know the past and secret life of her husband, would renounce him even at the steps of the altar. Well. Returns book. Well, what has your past life been? Really, my love. Papa, what has his past life been? Nonsense. Angelica, mimicking them. Really, my love, nonsense. You won't get off with that. Here is the book. Confess. But I haven't anything to confess. Then how could the man make such an assertion? Simply, he didn't know me, that's all. We'll see if you'll be so witty when we get home. You think Papa protects here. Good evening, Papa. Throws book on table left. Going so soon? Damask crosses to her. Angelica, listen to reason. Angelica, waving him off. We'll talk it over at home. Nice prospect. You're both always telling me about your domestic happiness. And every time I see you, you end up in a quarrel. Angelica, half crying. You take his part, do you? Oh, if Mama were only home, I'd soon know everything. Goes to door. Wait for me. I'll go with you. Don't trouble yourself. Exits left center. Damask, after a pause, during which he and the professor look at each other. Professor, I don't wish to reproach you, but if I ever have a daughter, I'll train her up to place implicit confidence in her husband. Exits left center. Will you? Then you'll have a hard job of it. But I'll take this as a warning. Balzac shall be concealed. If my wife got hold of it, she'd be quite capable of putting conundrums to me. Hurries off left with the book. Susan enters left center. Step in here, please. Snap enters left center, wears a fur-trimmed overcoat, and is very loud in style. Exactly. Removes hat, which he places on table. I told the professor you had called before. Thanks, thanks. I'll tell him you've come again. Just one minute, please. Takes off his overcoat and lays it on chair with his hat. Displays a very loud get-up underneath. Throws his frock coat open and dangles his eyeglass with the light comedy but theatrical air. We must get ready for the first entrance. Have the goodness to say that Mr. Marcus Brutus Snap begs the favor of an interview. Mr. Snap, law, the manager. You may say to the professor that I am calling on the most prominent people of the place and add that I am my own advance agent. We billed the town last night. Susan, going. Stay. One word more. Is the family fond of the drama? Oh, no, indeed. Since I lived here, none of them ever went to the theatre. And a, uh, how, how long have you lived here? Ten years, the 4th of July. Ten years without the drama. I have heard that it was a one-night town. I believe it. And why? Why don't you go to the theatre? Mrs. Babbitt won't allow it. How about Mr. Babbitt? Oh, he's written a play. The deuce he has. If you don't believe me, there it is on his desk now. Oh, that's a piece I can tell you. It's all about the Romans and the Greeks. Has it ever been produced? No. Nobody ever seen it, even. But me. Ah... Sir? Snap, still meditating. There's more in this. No, there's no more than this one. Snap, recovering. Oh, I crave your pardon. Stay, another word. The professor is one of the leading men in the university. 
I should think so. When he crosses the street, all the boys take off their hats. So, so. What's the matter? Ah, nothing. <laughs> Tis the heat. I'll tell the professor. That's right. Susan, going. Crikey, to think he should come to our house. Exit left door. Now, my boy, for a little diplomacy. When we played in Nantucket two years ago, I worked a little thing like this to perfection. The leading banker of the place had a daughter. The daughter had written a play. I produced it. It was the worst I ever read, but we jammed the house. The old man brought the whole town with him. Then my wife gave it for her benefit, and we sold the house out again. Two crammed houses in one week. Shakespeare couldn't have done it, but the bank did. The professor enters left door in a dressing gown. You wish to see me, I believe? I have taken the liberty of calling to invite your attention to the program of my company, which is about to appear at the Opera House. The district judge, who is now in town, has signified his intention of helping us. So have the... the... several others. You know the district judge, of course. There are five very good seats right alongside the district judge and i reserve them for your family in the hope that that i am very sorry but we never go to the theatre you will make an exception with us we give a varied programme romeo and juliet frau frau seven two zero eight macbeth and pinafore variety enough and we play them sir right up they go like a greased wheel really it's absolutely a star performance my wife and myself appear in everything you could wake us up in the middle of the night and we give you the whole repertoire without a break as for the company all artists you understand artists my leading young man is a marvel stepped from the drawing-room to the stage english of course there's a mystery about him and a family history a history and a mystery the moment he comes on you see that you have got the real thing before you professor left shifting his position uneasily indeed it's my specialty to find unknown talent it's the same with authors. I have brought men forward who have made fortunes. Last year in Nantucket, this in confidence, a young lady of a wealthy family gave me her maiden effort. A tragedy. And you produced it? Indicates a seat. Sit down. Snap sits eagerly and draws his chair near professor i produced it and it succeeded slaps professor's knee we sold the house out six nights running my wife played the principal part and there wasn't a dry eye in the theatre now they play it everywhere outside of new york and the fair authors coining money is it possible it's the solemn fact rising and putting chair back but i won't detain you you are busy professor detains him not at all my dear sir pray go on no i've intruded too long already and as you don't take any interest in theatricals well i, I can hardly say that uh, you see i i i have a friend who has written a play no he nibbles i happen to have the manuscript by me points to table it's a roman tragedy founded on the historical incident of the abduction of the sabine maidens by the roman warriors 
a roman tragedy the very thing for us my company is especially adapted for roman tragedy my wife particularly might i beg a glance professor taking up the manuscript i hardly know oh you may rely on me i'm all discretion what does he call it the beautiful sabine splendid title immense catching you think so oh superb think of it on a three-sheeter the beautiful sabine oh there's draught in that title you must let me read it i'll take it with me and bring it back in the morning no no i can't let it out of my hands very good we won't quarrel about that i'll read it here on the spot that is with your permission trying to get manuscript well i don't know how i can put me quietly into a corner for half an hour and i'll skip right through it susan enters left centre professor there's a gentleman called to see you i asked his name and he said no matter on second thoughts tell him mulberry no matter on second thoughts tell him mulberry i don't know any one of that name he said tell the professor it's an old friend of his he's nothing of the kind what impudence must be a book agent i recognize the cheek did you tell him i was in i can't tell a lie professor and i did oh that being the case show him up susan aside they've got the play out oh crikey we'll go to the theatre every night exits crossing to left centre if you really insist on glancing over this <laughs> a trifle step in yonder and draw the curtains you won't be disturbed gives manuscripts to snap and points to alcove right centre oh make me quite at home no ceremony with me going aside i'll produce it if it's worse than the banker's daughters exits up right centre lord mulberry enters briskly left centre muffled in travelling coat shawl round throat big fur gloves etc ah oh, my dear sir there you are i haven't much time to spare just travelling through but here i am grasps both hands i never saw the man in my life mulberry crosses right unwrapping shawl i keep my word you see he's taking off his things excuse me but i really mulberry pausing in the act of disrobing you don't remember me uh, to be quite honest about it mulberry eyeing him why mulberry uh, mulberry ah to be sure mulberry not an idea let me remind you you were in new york two years ago yes on business i suppose so i met you at a matinee i sometimes so do i ha <laughs> ha we sat next to each other and got into conversation i told you i was an englishman and you told me you were an american i was surprised to hear it as you speak the language so correctly you described the whole of a place where you lived and i said i might call and hunt you up if i passed through if it's not agreeable i'll go begins to wrap up again not at all not at all not at all agreeable i mean to say i'm delighted i'm not like susan i can tell a lie pray sit down they sit i'm only sorry that my wife is not here she is now at the white sulphur springs with my daughter 
Ah, with Angelica? Professor astonished. No, with Sophonisba. Oh, the youngest. Angelica was suffering from hay fever. Is she better? Thank you, yes. She is married. I must have been very confidential with him. Mulberry presses his hand to his head and speaks solemnly. Is the marriage a happy one? Remarkably so. The young people live like turtle doves. Or oh, did until this afternoon. Mulberry crosses to Lep, strikes table with his clenched fist. Death and furies. Professor bounds up. I beg pardon? Mulberry sits left to himself in a passion. The luck, the blind luck some people have with their sons and daughters. I trust you've had no bad luck with yours. Mulberry glares at him. You actually talk as if I had not told you the whole story. Oh, I remember. Your daughter. No, I have no daughter. My son, my son John the rascal. Bangs table. Oh, yes, your son John the rascal. Things went on just as you told me they would. Professor, bewildered. You surprise, uh, you alarm me. How can this alarm you? How could they turn out differently? He wouldn't study, he wouldn't go into the army. He would run into debt. He would fall in love with every designing minx. And now he's bolted. Brings his fist down again. Bolted. The professor moves the inkstand, etc., out of his way. Now I have no son. It's all over. But such a promising young man. Promising? Egad, I couldn't get him to promise. Pulling his chair nearer. I'll tell you the whole story. Oh, dear. Snap looks in from behind curtain. Professor! Professor! What the devil's that? Professor rises. Excuse me one moment. Goes to Snap. What do you want? Snap meeting him. Don't be offended, but I couldn't sit there and contain my joy. Have you read it? I've been through the first act. It's simply grand. Such a picture of human passion. And the words, the dialogue. You really think it could be performed? It would be an outrage, Professor, to leave such a work in the closet. It belongs to the stage. To my stage. But I must consider. Mulberry bounds up. If you're busy, I'll go. Professor, pressing him back into seat, returns. No, no. I'll be at your service in one moment. Back to Snap. I'll read the other acts. They're all better than the first. No, Professor. With all respect, they can't be better. That's simply impossible. They may be stronger, but they can't be better. I've got him. I've got him. Disappears behind curtain. Professor returns to seat. Now, my dear sir. He is much elated and rubs his hands. Let me see. How much did I tell you that day at the matinee? Well, the fact is that my mind has been so occupied since. Then there's nothing left for me but to go over it again. Professor shakes his head. No, no, no. To make a short story, my wife was a woman of romantic ideas. All poetry, no fortune. We were married in forty-eight. Forty-eight, eighty-five, thirty-seven years ago. How time passes. Well, my eldest son was born.
Yes, yes, John the Rascal. No, sir. Reginald Plantagenet and Victor Cholmondley came before John. John is the youngest and the worst. Snap re-enters. Gentlemen, I beg a thousand pardons. To Professor. But I have a question to ask. What is it? Without rising. Snap bending down to his ear. Is there any local military organization in the town or a fire company or anything of that sort why well for the grand procession of priests at the end of the second act it requires a large supernumerary force and if we can get a local organization eh see oh, i can't possibly say rises and puts chair back mulberry rising i'll call another time puts chair back professor absently any time i am confiding a most important family matter to you and you let me stand here i'm really very busy at present do you think i have nothing to do i must catch the four thirty express what a pity pity won't keep the train back wraps up when i get through in new york i'll run up again for a day and i hope looking at snap we shall not be interrupted uh, the very thing come when you can don't hurry pray remember where we left off i don't want to begin all over again oh no no anything but that present my regards to your wife but not a word to her about jack i wish the matter kept profoundly secret for the present rings professor's hand warmly wipes away a tear pats professor's shoulder jack jack why did you bolt exits left center what a man to snap i assure you i haven't the remotest notion who he is rings bell suddenly and calls susan susan enters left centre yes sir if that gentleman calls again i'm not at home i've gone out and won't be back i've joined an exploring expedition to the north pole you tell him that and i'll take the consequences very well i wash my hands of it exits left centre shaking her head snap right who has been turning over the pages of the manuscripts at right table professor i am willing to stake my reputation on this production that situation at the end of act third can be worked up to create furious enthusiasm in the audience only see in front you have the roman soldiers each with a shrieking maiden in his ruthless grasp at back in centre king titus tatius with arms raised to heaven invoking a malediction on the foe at that instant the moon rises in crimson radiance throwing a gory splendor over the tableau i'll stake any saturday night's receipts against a penny whistle that we send the people home raving well then mr snap i'll tell you the truth about the play it's not by a friend it's by myself i knew it i knew it from the first ah you can't deceive me professor and you will admit that in my position as a leading functionary of the university and with my family connections opposed to theatrical representations i can't think of producing the play why not your name needn't appear we announce it by a gentleman of this city no it would be sure to leak out the actors would tell rely on us 
there's no blabbing in my establishment my wife sees to that your wife that reminds me of my wife if she should discover no no put it out of your head mr snap it won't do and professor don't rob a poor manager of his one chance of making a fortune and don't rob yourself think of the money pouring in when it's brought out in every city of the union your five hundred a week coming in as regularly as your saturday breakfast professor wavering but if it doesn't succeed let us put it in rehearsal and if you say at the last moment don't do it i'll take it off well if you leave that road open for retreat and pledge the profoundest secrecy snap lays his hand on his heart and lifts the other heavenward moving his lips in dumb oath so that i won't run any risk i may i say i may make up my mind to consent your mind is made up professor i see it shining on the very tip of your nose professor touches his nose absently it's settled wrings his hand i'll bill it for the opening goes for his coat that's only a week march first no postponement professor aside my wife won't be home for a fortnight at least that will do very well are you sure you can cast all the parts in your troupe we have cast shakespeare from end to end let me tell you what i'll do for you professor puts manuscripts in his coat pocket to prevent any chance of failure i will play king titus tadius myself i felt that part as i read it yes but he ought to be a person of very large and venerable and imposing presence don't you think so that isn't all professor crosses to write with an air grace royal action dignity that's what the part needs my wife will play virgia the heroine that woman was born for the part it's written all over her so to speak indeed i've got some of her photos with me takes photographs from pocket of his ulster which he has thrown over back of chair centre there she is as lady macbeth hands one to the professor there she is as frau frau there she is as juliet and here she is as olivet her range is wonderful it must be if you'll allow me takes them back from the professor i'll leave one here as a memento i think the olivet is the best gives the best expression shows more of her sets photograph of an opera bouffe character on table left facing the audience and now sir i'll take my leave puts manuscripts in pocket but one word mr snap the the part of virgia is uh, uh, a very young girl and your wife eh uh, don't you think oh that doesn't matter that woman has a power of facial transformation that has paralyzed the critics of two hemispheres they call her the chameleon besides she's the only woman in the company that can play the part i can see her at this moment at the end of act second as she flings herself before king romulus tears the tunic from her shoulders he has his coat half on and now tears it off suiting action to word casts it at his feet and cries though keen thy sword victorious thy banner thou canst of life deprive me not of honour 
drops on his knee, then picks up his coat, etc. I have the honor. Exits left center. Professor comes forward, rubbing his hands in ecstasy. Oh, if my wife only gives me two weeks longer, and nobody suspects, I'll do it. Susan enters, hurrying in left center. Professor, Professor, he's taking our tragedy with him. Who? The manager. I saw it. He had it under his arm. But I tell you... Ah, oh, Professor, can't I see how the land lies? It's going to be produced at a real theatre by real actors. Hush, don't bellow it all over the place. Mustn't nobody know it? Of course not. Don't you dare to breathe a word of it to anybody. Above all, not to my wife. Aside. I'll write her at once to stay another fortnight. Sits at table left to write susan while he writes oh trust me there shan't a soul know of it not if they was to tear it from me with wild horses i only thought of it yesterday professor while i was beating the rugs how when mrs babbitt comes home all our fine times will be over i'll never forget em professor you are sitting there evenings a reading and reading and the big tears chassaying down my cheeks and then i dream all night i was acting every part of it all by myself on top of the stage gesticulates violently as if acting professor looks up from writing but not heeding her if i could only think of a pretext to keep my wife away ah i have it Susan drops violently on her knees. Professor writes. Susan rises. One thing is certain. When the piece is acted at our theatre, I must be there. If Mrs. Babbitt won't let me, I'll run off without leave. And if she packs me off the next day, I'll console myself with those beautiful lines out of our play. And though thy anger have no end, then break my heart, it shall not bend. Professor gives her a postal card. Mail this postal card at once. Egad, Susan, I think I'll put on my coat and steal over to the theatre and have a look at the stage. Exit left down. Susan, reading from the postal card. My darling, I'm sitting all alone at my writing table with my solitary cup of tea. Oh, Professor looks toward left. During the above, Mrs. Babbitt has entered left center in traveling costume with satchels and hand baggage. Susan, what are you doing there? Mercy on us! Mrs. Babbitt, I declare. What are you reading there? Only a postal card from the professor to you, ma'am. Mrs. Babbitt snatches card. And you read it? Go help Sophonispa with her things. Yes, um... Aside, crossing up centre. What will the professor do now? Let me help you, Miss Nisby. Nisby enters, loaded up with flowers, satchels, etc. Left centre. Never mind me. Where's Papa? The professor, miss. He's only in his room. He was just going to the opera house. To the what? Yes, um, about the... Remembers. Oh, crikey. For his soda water, ma'am. He goes there every day for his soda water. Nisby puts her things down. Indeed. Go and help to bring up our trunks. Yes, ma'am. Aside, going. Oh, dear. Our jig's up now. Nisby, going left. I'll go and tell Papa we've come. Stay where you are. We'll surprise him here. How delighted he'll be, just after writing to you, too. What does he say, Ma? Mrs. Babbitt puts on her glasses and reads. My darling, oh, he always calls me his darling. I am sitting alone at my writing table with my solitary cup of tea. Stops and looks at Nisby. Nisby looks at her mother and then towards the tables right and left. The household sleeps. 
all is silence and darkness for midnight has just sounded midnight why mamma it's only quarter to five now there is something strange about this reads before me on my table stands your portrait nisby goes to the table and finds the photo which snap left there she looks at it and starts oh papa hastily conceals it what's the matter oh nothing mrs babbitt reads the flowers plucked by my sweet child are in a glass of water before me oh mamma they're in the wastebasket they look at each other turn away and look round the room <sighs> nothing but falsehood reads i long to see both of you again yet for your own dear sakes i beg you to remain where you are for another fortnight besides we are quite upside down at home susan has just left us what mrs babbitt reads quickly poor susan has flown to the assistance of her aunt in new haven who has been seized with a cerebral meningitis i gave her leave for a week and she started last night with a few things in my handbag mamma clasping her hands horrible sinks in chair professor left down is heard singing outside and to-night will merry merry be enters and sees them he has his hat cocked jauntily heavens my wife why my darling zippy and dear little nisby what a glorious surprise i've so longed for you just sent off a postal card begging you to come back as soon as possible i'll write another to-night mrs babbitt rises majestically professor babbitt i have just read the postal card you sent shows it i'm dished would you believe my love i believe nothing but this i tell you i've gone to the springs for the last time i'll get all the white sulphur i want at home and so will you now zippy don't touch me exits right down nisby and mamma hasn't seen the worst yet shows him the photo is that mamma's portrait ye gods olivet he sinks in chair she holds picture before him and shakes her finger curtain falls end of act one